It's Gonzalo No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 31 of the Battered Herons. I am your host, Daniel Granada, along with my co-host here, Christian Duran. And we have a very special guest with us today, Alex Winley from the Heron Outlet, Bleacher Report, uh, AAW 1998, the Croc Specialist. What else you got, Alex? Uh, I've got a, a couple of tattoos, but I don't really make a point to show them. But um, oh, yeah, other than that, I do love my Crocs, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of everything. Yeah. So, well, um, well, I guess before we get started, how are you, Chris? Chris and Alex, how you doing, Chris? Well, I'll, I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's a, it's a nice Wednesday. It's a Woo Wednesday. I didn't wear my Wu Tang hat like I did last week, but I put enough post up for Wu Tang Wednesday. So, it's a beautiful day today. How about you, Alex? How's everything with you? Yeah, I'm a really good day today. Busy day, but you know, I'm just happy to be alive and kicking. Really. There we go. And uh, hello to Esteban Dido. Send. Alex, of course, is a star. That's we, right before we came on. We were trying to tell her that she was a big time, but she was, you know, she's very humble. So that's always appreciated when somebody's nice and humble, even though they know that they're the hot stuff. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I don't know, but all yeah, right, thanks so for the, the compliments, guys. Before we get started, I need to know: Is it true that you really are that obsessed with Crocs? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm wearing them under my desk here. I have a, a neon green pair with a bunch of those uh, things they call giblets. And yeah, I don't know. Crocs are addicting. I know people flame get flamed for wearing them, but I don't know. They're comfortable and, and durable. And, you know, I wear them outside the house, inside, you know, it, it doesn't matter. So it, they're comfortable to me. So I have, so I, I, I have a question, right? So there's like the strap in the back, like, are you ready for war when you put it in the back and then you're ready to chill when you put it in the front? Is that how it goes? Or you're just with the strap in the front the whole time and rocking and rolling? Uh, yeah, um, the strap in the back, it's called sport mode. I call it sport yes. mode when I'm um, <laughs> when I have to like wear them outside or whatever. But yeah, most of the time they're the, the strap is like folded in the front because it just feels a little it's better. Time. And, yeah, it, it's it's not as, uh, <laughs> you know, less sport mode, essentially. Yes. Uh, there, there's a, a a debate going on with some people that we know on Inter Miami Twitter about wearing socks and slides out and about. Now, before we get into the real soccer stuff, I need to, I need your opinion on this before we move on. Are we okay with socks and slides out and about in the city? No, sorry, no. Oh, thank you. I'm, okay. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm All right. Fan, Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I don't know if they're listening right now, but if they aren't, hopefully they listen to that soon. I mean, I would All think right. that at least with black socks, you can get by with that. But I mean, other than the that, white and black, nah, the white, yeah, the white, that white and black, black, that just doesn't work. Nah. <laughs> All right. So we are, what would you say three games into the preseason? Would you yes. count that? So we're three games into the preseason. Um, we haven't necessarily looked – everybody says we haven't looked good against the professional teams, right? But against FIU, apparently we, we were okay because once the starters came in, they took care of business. How would you see yeah. how things have gone so far in the preseason? Because you've actually been – I haven't been able to watch any game because I wasn't at that game in person against Vasco de Gama, and obviously we couldn't go to the other games. What do you – how have you felt about the preseason thus far? Honestly, um, it – it it's not 
you know, I'll compare it to last season's preseason where, you know, they won that preseason tournament and everyone felt good going into the season. Then they ended up um, losing five straight games. So this preseason, I think it's more so the team just trying to gel together. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're in this new formation, the four, three, one, two, and, you know, Neville seems pretty hell bent on using that. So it's more so like them trying to get their passing patterns down and, just them trying to gel more so than winning. But I, I will say in, in the Miami Herald, I was reading this morning, uh, this afternoon, actually, um, Michelle Kaufman had a couple of quotes from uh, Phil Neville where he said he wasn't pleased with how Inter-Miami played against St. Louis. So, yes, that they're, they're building this more possession-based style, but obviously Phil Neville wants them to play better or, or, or you know, take his direction a little bit better, you know. So, yes, it, it is a slight concern that, you know, they can beat FIU fine, and Vasco da Gama, you know, first preseason game. But St. Louis, I, I was there, and there are times where, you know, it, it did look a little rusty, I, I will say. And I know there are a couple of starters missing. You know, Joseph wasn't playing. Uh, Franco Negri wasn't playing. Um, you know, Christoph just signed. Um, you know, Mota the 10 situation. Playing. Yeah, Mota, the 10 situation. It, 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 yeah, it looked bad, but then they grew into the game. You but could, still, but it's you a, could technically well, it's, be missing five players. Yeah, yeah, they they were, they were, and and yeah, they it took them a while to grow into the game. I'm not gonna lie, and and you know, I will say this, I will say this. So the first like 20 minutes, like it it was slow, but they started to get a rhythm and they started to get their passing patterns down, and it looked better. And they didn't really give up a a goal from open play. It was more so from a set piece. So it wasn't like they were, you know, getting battered 90 minutes for them to lose 4-0. It was more so. This one set piece, you know, got, you know, Drake wasn't able to save it and hence the starters went down um, uh, a goal. But if they played a full 90 with those starters, I, I think they would have tied and maybe eventually got the win. But it did look rusty. And I think it's just, you know, them processing this more possession based style. Well, and it's a weird thing, right? Because we're talking about preseason where there's not much in terms of the weight behind it. It's it's where you sort of see where everybody is at in terms of skill in terms of where they fit in the team. But at, at the end of the day, like fans are still fans and they're looking at this preseason. Like, I know that it doesn't matter, but it kind of matters. And so, you know, when it, when it comes to people being worried, it's weird. Cause it's like, I tell people, ah, it's no big deal. But then at the same time, you're still not seeing the production that you wish to see from the players that you have on the field, you know? Yeah, and I agree. I think, you know, they obviously, you know, the fans, they want to see a win. You know, the Vasco game was, you know, first first preseason game, preseason game, FIU was closed doors. They won. Obviously, it's a college team, but the St. Louis game was pretty, you know, it was kind of telling. And I'm not going to lie, they didn't really get into it until the, the first 20 minutes. And, you know, it, it was rough. And yeah, I agree. I think they, they need some results. But at the same time, you know, preseason doesn't really matter if they go on the first two games of the season against CF, CF Montreal and uh, the Union. If they go in and win those two games or, or get a, a win and a draw, you know, I think people won't really care what happened in preseason as long as during the regular season they go in and ball out essentially. So, um, yes, it is important for them to show results uh, to the fans, but at the same time, during these preseason games, if they just continue to work, on what they're trying to do with this uh, formation, yeah. then at the end of the day, you know, as long as they make the playoffs, top four, win a trophy this season, U.S. Open Cup, you know, at the end of the day, uh, preseason is, you know, it doesn't really matter. Well, well the I one agree. thing, go ahead. Yeah, the one thing that I picked up because I was I was listening to um, 
to your podcast earlier this week and the one thing that stood out to me which i've been just waiting for is for noah allen to have this sort of blast out party and finally i'm hearing some positive things coming out uh and and according to to noah allen so dan do you think about you know hearing that kind of thing and 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 then i guess we could toss it to alex and tell me what you thought about his gameplay during the game Look, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the games. Uh, I'm hoping that Noah Allen's looking better because I, I was really counting on him being a big contributor over there on the left side. But after Franco Negri came in, I really thought that Noah Allen wouldn't have a chance to get up on and start at some point uh, at all as far as starting maybe as a depth piece for maybe some Open Cup games. But from everything that Alex and Ian were saying, he's been looking pretty good. Yeah, he looked really good. I was I was taken back and a little surprised. You know, last season I, I do feel like he was thrown into the deep end. You know, against Austin Austin FC and and some of the preseason games, he didn't look quite up to it. But you know, um, watching him against St. Louis, he was arguably one of the better players uh, among the first uh, a set of starters. You know, he was single handedly uh, the reason why Miami's offense you know got going. You know, he had a lot of good shots. Um, uh, a lot of good crosses. You know, he read the 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 space well on the on the flank. Um, you know, he, like I said, he had a couple of shots and, and, and he always pushing the team forward as a fullback. And it was really impressive to see, you know, he's only 18 and still growing, you know, with his football IQ and, and physically, but he looked, you know, he looked the part and he looked strong and, and really good. So, yeah, I, I do think, you know, even though Franco Negri did come in, I do think Noah Allen will get some chances to start in, in U.S. Open Cup games or Leagues Cup or even some regular season games. He, he looked that good, and, and he's improved a lot over the offseason. So I was really pleased to That's see that. fantastic. I heard that in the same – obviously, again, we didn't, I didn't watch it. I'm going based off of what I've read and seen uh, or heard. Um, they were pressing high, St. Louis, that is. And I know that Inter-Miami wants to play out of the back. Now, until they have their – you know, their four starting backs back there. I don't know. How did that look? Did they have a hard time with that? Um, Actually, no. They they managed to play out of the press. Uh, at least the defense did. Uh, but they did have trouble connecting that defense to the midfield a lot. But as far as the defenders go on the ball, they didn't look uncomfortable. I'll, I'll, I'll call out Christopher McVeigh for looking particularly really comfortable on the ball. You know, I you know he had the ball. Not once did I, I fear them losing it. He, he looked really calm and composed. Noah Allen, another one, he looked really solid on the ball. I will say DeAndre Yedlin, I don't know if it's World Cup hangover or whatever. He he did struggle a little bit. Him and Aime Movica on that right-hand side, like I said, it could just be rust or they're out of form. But, you know. Movica worries me. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I was, I was really high on him, you know, in the previous years. But I, I, it seems like he almost plateaued a little bit. You know, maybe let's rust and he'll grow out of it. But, you know, during that friendly, it seemed like him and Yedlin, you know, were – you know, Mambika would be, you know, across on the field here trying to snuff out, a, you know, an opposition attack. And Yedlin would be trying to get up the flank and leave a gap in on that, on St. Louis's left-hand side. And, you know, the counter just would come from there and the Mambika would have to switch over. And, yeah, they looked really dysfunctional. And I don't want to pick on them because it's preseason and that's something that Neville can work out. But, you know, it it, it was it was rough, and, and you know, obviously they grew into it, but still, um, McVeigh looked good, and Noah Allen looked good, but on that right hand side, Mabika and Yedlin, they didn't quite fit. Like I said, maybe with Ryan Saylor coming in and Sergey Kristoff, uh, you know, maybe better ball playing center backs, it, it works a little bit better. But you know, that right hand side is was looking a little shaky during the the uh, the friendly. 
Well, and that's sort of the gift and the curse that you get with DeAndre Yedlin, where, you know, you have such a strong, I, I don't want to say strong offensively, but he's ready to go at any moment to to make an offensive play and to make a counterattack. But then at the same time, when you get caught with your pants down later on in the half field, when they come to counter, it's going to be bad news for Ayman Mabika. Now, I know that Danny, uh, we were talking a little bit before we got on, and, and you mentioned something about, about McVeigh that, that I thought was really, really interesting. Well, I feel like myself included, I feel I feel maybe to an extent overconfident about McVeigh at center back. But McVeigh didn't play center back for us all that much last year. So we're just going based off of what we did see and the fact that he's good with the ball at his feet. Now I don't know how he did when he was playing was it was in Sweden or I forgot where he was playing before he came over. Yeah, here. Sweden. So but with us, I'm just basing it off of just a, a small sample size. And then I went back to see what games it was that he did start at center back. And those first five games of the year last year, he started at center back. And I didn't realize that he was the starting center back the la- those first five games. The sixth yeah. game, they moved him to left back. And that's when we kind of started rolling. Now, I'm not saying that there's a correlation there, but I thought that was quite the coincidence. So I, am, is everybody a little just too confident with McVeigh? Do you think we're like overconfident and maybe we should just hold like press the brakes a little bit to see how he is consistently at center back? Um, yeah, that's a fair assessment. I, I will say that yeah, McVeigh was really decent, uh, decent at left back. But, you know, Neville really talked about um, having balance this season and having a left side, a left footed uh, left back go up instead of McVeigh. He's right footed and, and, you know, having that kind of like tuck in uh, thing that he does. But yeah, that's a fair assessment. I say McVeigh is very steady. He does a lot of things very well at like a B plus level, but he never really stands out at one particular thing. But maybe well, in this uh, more, yeah. No, no, go ahead. You were saying. Yeah, maybe in this more possession-based style, like uh, he'll have more time on the ball to show his uh, um, uh, uh, attributes a little bit more than, you know, like you said, the first couple of games he did start uh, at um, at center back. And I will, well, like, add on to that. There are a couple more games throughout the season, like the NYCFC game yeah. away where I think Lowe was suspended or something. Him and Ryan Taylor uh, partnered each other. And mm-hmm. Miami lost that game, but I will say some of the refereeing calls were a little bit suspicious, so I won't it's completely true. blame it on the, the defense, defense. But but yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. McVeigh, um, he doesn't get talked a lot, but he does a lot of the little things well. But um, like I, you guys, I'm, said, a, I'm like, a fan. Yeah, I'm yeah. a fan. And and for like I said, I, I'm worried because I feel like I'm overconfident. I feel like okay, all we need is one center back. That's how I felt all off season. We got McVeigh. All we need is one center back. And I'm like. But am I am I really like why am I so confident that McVeigh is that guy? So I'm you know just wanted you to reassure me that he is that guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but it, <laughs> well, and it's and it's scary because the one word that stuck out to me when you were talking, Alex, is decent. And so, like, I think to myself, geez, we just gave up Damian Lowe. Like he wasn't yeah. decent. He was a little bit better than decent. And now it's mm. like, oh, now we're gonna have somebody decent fill in for Damian Lowe. Like I mean, I'm not saying that it's gonna like be the worst decision ever, but who knows? I Alex, mean, do you think Low was average or above average? Because I think he was average. At defending, he was you know uh, above average. I'm looking at his um, advanced stats now, and he was in the 93rd percentiles uh, percentile of tackles, interceptions, blocks. He was high up there in MLS, but I think they were willing to part with Damian Low because he doesn't really provide a lot going you know building out of the back. So exactly, example, I don't. Against, yeah, 
Yeah, he has the speed and the defensive ability, but you know, playing on the back, which Miami wants to do, he he wasn't, you know, he wasn't good at that. You know, looking at his progressive passes and and pa- pass, uh, excuse me, pass completion rate, he he's in the lower end of 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 MLS uh, defenders, and then you switch it to McVeigh and his advanced stats, he's definitely more comfortable on the ball, and and that's why uh, Miami went out and got uh, Sergei Kristoff, who's uh, a ball playing a uh, better defensive. A center back. So I think a lot of the time, you know, they, they were willing to get rid of, um, let Damien go to Philly because, you know, they knew they wanted a new center back. And low, he gives you a lot in terms of speed and, and defense and, and tackling. But, you know, is it fair? It's fair to say there were a couple of moments last season where Damien Lowe did cost the team a couple of points, most notably, yes. you know, that own goal the versus Orlando. Orlando. So, Orlando. So Lowe, he had, a, he had, he's a great. He had a hell of a game right before that, also. Yeah. Yeah, he was a he's a great defender, but like he's one of those, you know. And I was really high on him, but he's one of those guys that you know he has a mistake in him, you know, every once a couple of games, and you know he doesn't really provide uh, the, that progressive passing out of the back that Miami wants with this new formation. So um, maybe I shouldn't have used the word decent for McVeigh. He is above average, but he does a lot of little things at a B plus level. He's not, you yeah. know, like he's not going to be like all star, but you know he's steady Eddie. So. You know, I, I see why they got rid of Lowe and brought in another center back. And I want to talk oh. a little bit about I want to talk a little bit about Sergey. But and then so we go to this comment by Steve Munoz. It's not like we have much choice. I mean, we we have to count on McVay. But there's one question before before we talk about the new center back that we just acquired. There is one uh, question that I see here in the chat that I think is interesting. Is uh, a question for you, Alex. If if you got to watch Ascona play, if so, how well, how did he do? From what I've heard about him, is that he is kind of like a shining star in terms of what we can possibly get in the future, whether it's near or far. You know, that's left to be seen. But wh- what do you think about his play? Yeah, Ascona was great actually. Um, um, when um, so the game was like three, excuse me, four, like thirty minute halves, and he was in with the I'm inter Miami CF2 players in the subs. Uh, he looked really good. You know, he he was, you know, direct and, uh, you know, took the ball and drove at the opposition's uh, defense a lot. You know, he was playing as a typical 10. You know, he looked really good. But uh, unfortunately, he did pick up an injury, you know, a slight hamstring injury. Uh, so he wasn't able to really, you know, go out, go all out for the full 30 minutes. But, um, yeah, he looked good. Um, like, similar to Noah Allen, I think both of them just needed some time to to grow physically and to grow their soccer IQ. But, you know, both of them look, you know, ready and, and good enough for MLS now. And like, well, similar to Noah Allen, I can see Ascona, you know, starting US Open Cup games or, or even some league games if um, whoever's playing the 10 needs a rest. So, um, yeah, Ascona did look good, but um, he did pick up an injury and hopefully it's not too serious. Uh, Esteban just based, well, we talked about the preseason, about the low production. Uh, we'll be hearing lame diplomatic failure reasons from Neville once the football season starts. Um, I don't know. Actually, um, <sighs> listening to him on the sidelines, he was pretty angry at the team. So um, I think in the media, he tends to mince words a lot. And I know people want him to tear into the players more, but he's always a coach that will take the blame and never like completely blame his players. He'll say, you know, it's my fault and I should have done better. But on the sidelines, he's always ripping into them and, 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 and yelling, but um, yeah, it all depends. You know, uh, Neville did extend his contract for this year and uh, next year, who knows, he may be out. We don't know. And plus the sanctions and um, next season. So uh, yeah, yeah, you never know, but um, 
yeah, Neville, he's a he's a nice guy, and he won't rip into the players publicly. But you know, standing on the sidelines, absolutely, yes, he he does yell at them, <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You just let's see how the season goes, and uh, you know, maybe he he changed up his uh, press conference uh, aura or or something. I w- I wouldn't be too concerned about the preseason. It was very difficult to find this picture because the preseason matters yeah. a little. <laughs> So go ahead and find that picture. That was technically our first trophy. Nobody remembers it because it was preseason. So I wouldn't be too concerned because we followed that up with horrible five-game starts of the season. And like you said, if we have a horrible preseason, but then we end up with two wins against Montreal and the Union, then that will all be forgotten because all that really matters is February 25th. Mm. So um, I guess we technically touched on it a little bit, but – we have now signed our that center back that we everybody thought we were missing, right? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sergey Kristoff. Ser- Sergey Kristoff. Sergey Kristoff. Krib- you did it better than we Kribstov. did, Alex. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then Franco okay. Negri. So yes. we have our, our back line. Yeah. yeah. How, how confident do we feel in our back line? Because with this diamond that they're playing, we feel, we're going to need a lot of contribution from our fullbacks to kind of work their way up. So I'm assuming that Gregory's going to be playing really far back to kind of fill in the gaps out on the – because obviously uh, Christoph or Christoph yeah, you said it. and McVeigh are going to have to spread out a little bit to cover those gaps once we move our fullbacks move up. Like how do you see this back line playing now that we finally know who's going to be there? Uh, luckily, um, it reminds me have two fullbacks in uh, Franco Negri and DeAndre Edlin, who really love to get forward. On Negri's part, he's an attacking fullback. You know, I spoke to people who who covered him at Godoy Cruz. Um, you know, he's a you know he got he's a guy who loves to get forward. He loves to you know pass the ball. He's really good with the ball at his feet. Uh, Phil Neville compared him um, to Nico Figal in the way that he trains, just with that intensity. Maybe not the defensive blunders, but um, just that intensity that he brings. Like you know, he that similar Argentinian uh, defender hard headedness. Um, so yeah, they have two really good, two really quick uh, fullbacks um, that can get all, all, up and down the flank. And, and I'll throw in Noah Allen in there. He looks solid as well. So. Yeah, they have uh, fullbacks that can get up and down uh, the width, uh, the the flanks of the pitch. And then with Krivstov, um, you know, um, I, I spoke to a fan who follows the Ukrainian league really closely. Uh, Sergey, he has really good, you know, not good. He has excellent defensive positioning. So he may not, he's not the fastest center back, like similar to how Damian Lowe was moved on and McVeigh, maybe he's not as quick. But, you know, Kristoff, he's he's got excellent defensive positioning. And uh, he's really good on the ball, so that's you know part of the reason why. Need. Yeah, part of the reason why Lowe was shipped out. You know, with Damien, you got the quickness and the defensive, uh, you know, just recovery speed. But you know, he lacked in uh, maybe concentration or playing out of the back. But with Kristoff, you know, you got a guy who is really good in defense, like excellent in defense. Like that was like the biggest talking point. Him that that and his uh, ball playing ability. So yeah, and experience oh. as well. And he's a leader. He he captained Shakhtar Donetsk. And, um, yeah, Miami got a really good Champions League um, experienced uh, uh, center back who will probably slot in pretty seamlessly. So um, with this 4-3-1-2, um, like I said, the fullbacks will get up, but in a center back pairing of Kristoff or McVay or Saylor or what have you, um, you're going to get enough enough speed from McVay and defensive positioning from Kristoff where they're able to 
kind of stop those uh, opposition uh, attacking transition uh, parts. Let's say they lose the ball in the center circle and they and they go quick. You know, Kristoff is there with his uh, positioning and McVeigh. Um, he does have that burst of speed in him. They get back quickly. Plus, you have the speed of Negri and then Yedlin, and then like you said, Gregory will be anchoring that, and they'll have like five guys back in case that they do lose the ball. So that, you know, the formation is really flexible in that part where you can have five guys attacking and five guys staying, or even three guys with the two center backs and the defensive midfielder. Also three guys will stay back. The fullbacks will go up and still, you still have numbers back there. So me right. any of the counterattacks. And that's what they did against St. Louis a lot. Gregory was there a lot of the times just cleaning up what um, Pizarro gave away the ball or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, Gregory was always there to clean it up and, even Mabika and, and McVeigh, they, they they did have their moments where they, they were there. So I will say defensively, they did look a little bit better in, in transition in that regard. But now, Sergey, to me, like everybody's talking about how he's such a, like, a strong guy. He's a bully. He's a tough guy. And he's good defensively. Like I feel like that's something that you standardly would want to hear about a center back. Like, tough guy, good with his feet, can pass. Like, you know... I was I was looking over and maybe this is just me not knowing the sport enough, but I know that he his international his career has been in Ukraine and in the the premier Ukrainian league. And I look at that and I think to myself, first, how like how good is he really as a Ukrainian soccer player to be playing purely in the Ukrainian league like I don't know if that translates to like he's a great player, right? I I don't know if I'm explaining myself correctly, but like it's not like this guy went and he played in Spain and he played in France or you know in any other league other than his home, you know, league, right? That's so like fair, yeah. that that kind of terrifies me because and maybe like I said, maybe it's just me not knowing the sport uh as well as I, you know, could learn it and and that's little by little, but at the same time it's like if he's been playing for his home league his entire career and then now he's making the jump to the United States, like, I don't know how well that's going to translate other than just knowing that he's like a tough guy that's good with his feet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fair. You know, I think, um, I think I will say that's Chris Henderson's MO. He likes finding those guys, you know, uh, like for example, Stefanelli, he was playing in Sweden and Chris McVeigh, he was playing in Sweden. Um, uh, Franco Negri, you know, he's playing for, you know, Argent in the Argentine league, which is still a good league, but, yeah. you know, obviously not like European uh, um, yeah. based. Gregory, he was playing in, uh, you know, Brazilian Serie A and Mata, the same thing. So he, Chris Henderson loves finding these guys who maybe don't play in the best leagues, you know, if it's like, unless it's like an Iguain or, or, or even Mar Joseph Martinez, you know, he's not going to go after, you know, guys like, um, I don't know, like top stars in the big leagues, like, you know, how Paul McDonough would have back in, in 2019, 2020. He's going to yeah, find guys that are, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's going to find guys who are really good at what they do in smaller leagues. And I'll say that's where Kristoff comes in. And, you know, that's valid. You know, the Ukrainian league, it's not, you know, it's not a top five league in, in Europe or anything. But from everything I, I've, I've read about Kristoff and talked to people and, um, and, and and even bothered to to find some uh, obscure Ukrainian league games where um, he was playing. Yeah, he looks good, and um, it, it, time will tell if he can adapt to MLS. But um, everything I've heard and read, people are, are really excited for Inter Miami to have acquired him, and um, you know, all the Ukrainian fans that I've spoke to 
um, they rate him pretty highly. So um, like I said, time will tell if he can adapt to MLS, but um, I'm sure that he'll be able to. Not If not this year, usually people who come over from other leagues, it takes them a while to, to get used to MLS. Maybe not this year, but definitely next year he'll, he'll be settled. Um, I wanted to go back real quick when we we're talking about Gregory dropping back and him playing the six. Um, last season, towards the end of the year, Mota kind of took over that six role. I personally like Gregory back there. I feel like he's more of a bulldog when it comes to defense. But I understand that Mota was out there to serve as an outlet because he's better with his feet. Where do you, who do you think is going to be running that six spot this year? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I, we were, I was talking with that uh, about that with Ian on on the pod. I think honestly, I think it depends on the opponent that they're they're going to play. You know, if they need someone who has more defensive grit, you know, they're obviously going to go with Gregory. But if they have most of the ball, they're probably switch to Mata. You know, he has really good uh, progressive passing range, so maybe they'll switch to him. But in this formation, I think, you know, especially, you know, it'll be a little bit open with the fullbacks going up. Having Gregory back there will probably be more defensively uh, stable. So, yeah, I think it all depends. You know, sometimes they'll switch. Um, I'll even throw out Victor Ijoa's name. I know he's not, you know, people kind of like, oh, and roll their eyes. But during that friendly against St. Louis, he was one of the only players that looked decent. <laughs> and he looked he even really took good. a free kick. Yeah, he did. not He nearly scored. Honestly, he got it on target at least. And, uh, you know, he was passing the ball well and, and cleaning up messes on the field. And he looked good. So Victor Ujoa can play there. We'll throw out oh. Benjamin Kromeshki, not necessarily DM, but he can play as that left-sided center uh, a midfielder. So there are plenty of options there. But, yeah, like I said, Gregory defending on the, the opposition and Armata if you want more ball-passing ability. And uh, since we were talking about that free kick, just real quick, I got a question here. From I guess that would be Ompus. Uh, have we done anything this offseason to improve our production off of set plays? Um, um, honestly, yes and no. Uh, I'll say that their set pieces, it was a revolving door of players taking it. Sometimes it was uh, Robert Taylor. Sometimes it was Pizarro. Um, you know, like I said, Yejoa got a crack at a free kick. Um, they nearly scored off of a, of a set piece, um, a corner kick. I, I actually recorded it on my phone. Um, yeah, the, but Campana couldn't quite get it on target. But, you know, like I said, time will tell. But it does look um, um, slightly different than it did last season. They do look more, um, you know, they have a set play, like like training yeah. ground stuff. Like they'll line up at the 18-yard line and they'll all rush in. So, yes, they, they do have some set plays. and They just don't um, have a quarterback to make the, the efficient pass. It's like a team that yeah. doesn't have a court has five different quarterbacks, has no quarterbacks. So it's, yeah, yeah. they just don't have the person that's able to facil- facilitate they that play. They don't have Higuain is what you're saying. Yeah, or Pozuelo at this point. Well, speaking of Pozuelo, right, and I want to talk a little bit about that because whenever people are talking about the 10, you know, if it's not about Pozuelo, they're mentioning uh, Stefanelli, they're mentioning a lot of other players, uh, but nobody's mentioned, or at least not that I've heard, Duke, right? Like, wouldn't he be the strong candidate for the 10 if Pozuelo doesn't, you know, the, or or doesn't play for us in the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's actually a smart shout. Yeah, I, I agree. I think especially in this formation, like Duke will have the ability to get forward and not much defensive responsibility because he'll be backed by like three central midfielders. So yeah, you can mm-hmm. definitely give Bryce Duke a, a try there. Uh, Stefanelli, we spoke to him after the friendly. He said he likes playing in that pocket role. So if Pozuelo doesn't resign, you can play him there. 
um you know coco john got some minutes there but personally i think he should play as a center striker he looked lost playing as a 10 so i, I wouldn't do i wouldn't put him there but I yeah think a lot of a, I, I think he should play as a left wing bench is what i think he should play. <laughs> bench. he's all right <laughs> I, mean, I think he's playing him as a 10 is a disservice to he wants to get him behind as a central forward and, and he's being played as a 10 so that's not where i would put him but um yeah i don't know let's see how that goes but I mean, one of the things that I've noticed is that people have been speaking a little bit more positively about Coco. But again, we just have so many players that are playing out of position. It's a scary th- it's a scary sight to see that. I mean, I don't know if maybe it's because uh, the coach is just putting people in different places just to see how they fit and how they gel. But to me, I, I think it's just kind of sloppy because you're playing people in spots where they – aren't going to end up playing at the at the beginning of the season. Now, as far as the, you know, Pozuelo, since it was mentioned, uh, you know, is there anything that you've heard about Pozuelo? Like, because we're at a point where there's really nothing going on in terms of any sort of update on him. Yeah, no, um, they're still working that cap and trying to fit him in there, really. I know they have a open DP spot technically, but they still need to move some pieces in order to free up some more of that money. So, um, yeah, like Neville, we spoke to him a couple of, uh, like a week or and a half ago. Um, he said it'll be difficult, but they're they're still trying. You know, you, you look at Pozuelo's yeah. um, Instagram story, he's there in his Brickell apartment, you know, still working out. And, and they're trying. They're, they're honestly trying. But, um, yeah, it, it'll be hard. But like I said uh, earlier, the well, I didn't mention earlier, but the MLS uh, transfer window closes in April, so they'll have plenty of time to to get it done. But they're probably going to have to move some more pieces to free up some yeah. more money, and and yeah, it gets sure. really messy, and you don't want to redo. Gets really messy, not that messy, but like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, a lot of it's <laughs> a lot of uh, allocating here, there, and everywhere in yeah. order to figure out where where you're where you're putting your pieces in the right place. Yeah, yeah, and it it, it it'll, it's hard, you know, and they don't want to repeat up the sanctions, so they're they're basically crossing their t's and dotting their i's and making sure you know, that, that sanction thing doesn't happen ever again. So, you know, obviously, you know, you could throw them in as a DP, but like, there's still yeah. like, there's still money to be freed. So that you can't just do that. So yeah, it'll come down to the wire, but you know, they're still working on it. With Pozuelo, you know, still an uncertainty, Pizarro's back, right? Yeah. And that's probably the biggest reason we don't have Pozuelo back right now. Uh, Esteban wants to know, is he like a third wheel to the team? Uh, they had no other option or to receive him, or can we make a pleasant comeback surprise? Uh, Pesaro, honestly, it depends on who you ask, but personally, for, for me, um, he 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 looks fitter, he looks sharper, he does work a little bit harder, but still, I just don't think he's quite gelling with the team, really. I, I know they're happy to have him back, but on the field, you know, uh, for example, there was a moment where Ariel Lasseter was, you know, he was clean through on. on on the opposition and he, 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 you know, he was clean through on goal and yeah, and he held up, the, Pizarro held up the ball and, you know, that could have been a really good counter opportunity, but Pizarro, he just likes to slow the play down for, you know, but that's why Iguain used to get so demonstrative with him on the field. Iguain was constantly throwing his up, arms up at Pizarro. They butted heads. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason, part of the reason why um, Pizarro was shipped out on, on loan. Cause you know, Iguain was still there and, and you, you know, they just could not work together mainly, mm. but 
yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They definitely tried to ship him out, but no one really, <laughs> no one really wanted to, 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 to take him. So, um, like, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, um, if Pizarro uh, would have been bought now or, or sold to another club, uh, uh, you know, Pozuelo probably would have been here already, but, you know, like I said, it's more difficult than that. And yeah, it, they'll figure it out, but. So like, could so, we go ahead, go, go ahead, Danny. No, no, I was going to get to a different topic. Go ahead. No, I mean, it, you know, talking about that, like, could we see life without Pozuelo? Like, is there a, I mean, like you said, there's allocating here and there, but I, I, at this point, I feel like the deal is going to happen literally like days or maybe a week max before the first game just to get the whole fan base hype. That's what I think is going to happen. But, I mean, realistically at this point, there's a lot of people that are really thinking, we might not have Pozuelo on this team. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, that's a fair assessment. I think, like I said, they're still working hard and, and pushing it, and, and the transfer window doesn't close until April. But like you, like you said, it could be down to the wire, and you know, a, a week before they take on RSL, uh, RSL, uh, CF uh, Montreal. Um, yeah, they could possibly sign him, but yeah, they're gonna have to move some pieces, maybe some other players. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, the whole MLS cap situation is very difficult because they don't really give us all the numbers, yeah. just player salaries. But um, Chris Anderson is very good at his job, and you know, you know, he you just gotta let him work and 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 do what he does best. And well, look at this, and look at this, Danny. Steve Munoz puts Pizzi is a black hole. Give him the ball, <laughs> and it dies there. That's literally well, that's, Carmelo Anthony that's always, feels. Uh, yes, that, that, that was always my 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 criticism of, of Pizarro, though. Like, I felt like I was watching. I'm Colombian, so I watch a lot of Colombian soccer and mm. I follow the Colombian players across the world in Cuadrado. Um, He is that way. He, he dances with the ball. He makes a couple of nice moves. He gets into the box, but then it's he does absolutely nothing with it. Pizarro, I feel like he gets the ball and it's like he's running in like a square. And he just goes and just dances around in a square, but really doesn't do anything productive. So I agree with Steve. It's it's um it's like a black hole when he gets the ball sometimes. And I understand why Wayne was getting frustrated. I hope he gets out of that habit though, because I mean I understand that he's allowed to do it a little more because we're playing a lot of more possession this year. So uh, it's it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a sticky, yeah. It's a sticky situation, right? I mean, yeah. and and talking uh, about from from go ahead. You were gonna say, Danny. No, I was going to bring up the fact that you you said that we're playing a lot of guys out of position, which is a Neville specialty, right? Yeah. We play a lot of guys out of position. And I, I'm kind of curious what you think as far as him being a little more flexible because I feel like a lot of the personnel that he has doesn't necessarily fit in this diamond formation. He doesn't necessarily have a 10 as of right now. And this formation without a solid 10 isn't going to give you – as far as what I've seen and heard, I'm sorry, what I've heard and read for this preseason, we can't get anything going in that final third. So, yeah, I will. Well, go ahead. Yeah, go on. Um, uh, I will interject here and say, um, uh, um, Stefanelli came on with the inter, um, the subs and the inter Miami CF two players, and you know you're you're talking about that final third. Him and Asono mm-hmm. were probably the only two players that were driving into that final third. You know, Stefanelli, okay. he looked lively he was defending he was all over the place he was clapping like he was here for years and just encouraging the guys he was with he's you know super smart player from talking with him but he may not oh, be like Pozo- yeah he may not be Pozuelo you know full-on creator but he's definitely a guy who has 
that in him and talking with people who watched him play in Sweden, you know, he can play as a 10. He likes playing off of someone else in front of him. So in this formation, yes, definitely can can play that. He's not Pozuelo, but um, him, yeah. Ascona, they, and like I said earlier, uh, like you said earlier, uh, Bryce Duke as well. There are players who can play there, but out of the three... I would love to I, see I Bryce think, Duke there. Yeah. yeah, Bryce Duke's definitely, they're all good. But yeah, I... I uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I agree. I think for one, as far as players being out of position, I'll say maybe Robert Taylor playing as a central midfielder looks a little odd, but you know he looks and, good there. And, and you know, I, I don't know. La- and Lasseter playing either the nine or a central. I, I don't see it either. Lasseter needs to be out on the wing, in my opinion. Taylor needs to be out on. The, like I feel like these guys are wings. They're 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 good with the ball at their feet. They're fast. They, they get the ball up. I just don't see how these guys fit into these eight roles because that's where they would essentially be playing in this formation because yeah, they're I, not going to be will, the 10. I will say with um, with Robert Taylor playing in that little, um, uh, like you said, the eight role, um, mm-hmm. a lot of times when, when they're building up through the back, he'll kind of switch on to the wing. Like Yed- uh, Yedlin will be here and, and, he'll, and Robert Taylor would take on those traditional wing areas so like yeah. he's lined up as a central midfielder but there are a lot of times he will just jog out on the wing and and play as a winger essentially it may look a little odd with this formation lineup but um yeah i think it just depends on their role in the system and with Ariel, i think i think what i uh, what i'm assessing i think uh, neville's playing him as a second strike like a, a dual striker with him and campana because Ariel has the ability to stretch that back line really well and he's got that speed so playing him as a as a forward that just gets him behind and, you know, worst case scenario, if they can't play out the back, they just, you know, have someone, you know, get the ball to him on the shoulder of the defender, you know, that could be a weapon as well. But yeah, in a sense, I, I kind of do and maybe agree. I think with Coco Jean and Bizarro, I think that them being played as a, as a, as a midfielder or, or a number 10, I think that does him a disservice, but with uh, like Lassiter or Robert Taylor or, um, I don't know, but uh, those two, Coco and Pizarro, are literally the only two players I feel that, you know, them being played in the positions they're at, it doesn't they don't get, you know, they're not playing to their strengths at, at all. So Lasseter as a nine last year, I mean, he wasn't playing as a nine, but there were some goals where he was like, he had basically the whole goal open, and there was a, a defender, not a goalie, a defender there, and I think it happened twice where he hit the ball directly to the defender, and it's like, my God, my God. You know, and, and he mentioned like, that. He mentioned that. Oh, he? Oh, sorry to cut you off. He mentioned that. No. Um, uh, like two weeks ago, we spoke to him. He mentioned that he he's working on his finishing. So obviously, it's something that you know he is definitely aware of it, and he's working something on that it. Keeps and, him up at night. Yeah, it, it is honestly. And he, he <laughs> we, we saw him practicing penalties and and finishing drills, and um, yeah, he he's getting better at that. With Joseph and Campana both playing, right? Because we hope that they both start. Mm-hmm. Is, is Lasseter gonna see time? Like, is he gonna be that? that backup striker that comes in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think okay. especially when Joseph gets firing on all cylinders, I think it'll be uh, Campana, Joseph starting, Ariel off the bench, he, uh, Robert Taylor, uh, excuse me, Robbie Robinson, and Jake LaCava, who we didn't really mention, but they're, uh, Robbie looks good. Jake LaCava is really good. They both look good. Uh, yeah, I think all three of them, Lasseter, LaCava, Robinson, they'll be coming off the bench. But like I said, it depends on the opposition. You know, Neville did say that they're flexible formationally, even though they're set in this 4-3-1-2. They'll switch formations here and now again. So they may go back to the 4-3-3 or, or back three, whatever. But, um, yeah, just a lot of fluidity going on right now. But um, they seem set on that 4-3-1-2. Well, and, and since we did have a lot of winger talk, I, I do want to mention – 
uh, something that Danny had mentioned to me. Bye bye, Emerson. It, it shatters my heart that he got dealt to a team to a team over in Liga MX, but they had the option to buy, which makes me cry at night now. Because that means because, he's not coming back. No, hey, you never know, man. You never if know. If he comes back, you're not going to want him back. Because if they decided not to buy him, it's because he didn't pan out. Uh, mm. So you think it's going to be a Pozuelo deal? I mean, not exactly. a Pizarro deal. But he's not a DP, so he won't. It won't be as bad taking him back. And what do you think about the move, Alex? Do you think, I mean, I think it was a good move in terms of it not fitting for Inter-Miami at this moment. And I think it gives him a good space to develop and to be a better player. But with that option to buy, that's super scary for me. I mean, isn't there like fees that the that the team pays if they end up keeping him or something like that? Um. Yeah, so for one, I'll address the first point. Yeah, I think it's a good a loan deal for Emerson because uh, you guys were talking about guys playing in, in these positions. Emerson was really the only winger that couldn't play as a 10. He couldn't play as a center forward. He couldn't play as a, um, a, a, a winger a, through a, and through. Yeah, he's a pure winger. So, and they're sticking with this four, four two diamond that they're doing. He, he couldn't, there, there was no feasible way. And there are other guys above him in the depth chart. So he, he needed playing time. So that's why they loaned him. The buy option it is surprising. <laughs> Honestly, they did spend a lot of resources bringing him in. He was a U22 initiative player. So maybe, you know, like Miami, they're four years into this and they really haven't had a significant sale. Uh, you know, like you, you see um, Philadelphia doing it. Um, you know, other MLS clubs are selling on their, yeah. their young talent. And Miami have yet to do it. So maybe this Emerson thing, they're banking on, you know, him going over to Mexico and doing well. And then maybe... Uh, Santos uh, Laguna, um, you know, buying him permanently. So I think that's more of the case. But, you know, if he doesn't perform well, then he'll, he's back at Inter-Miami. And, you know, you, you know, you go from there. I'm hoping so. Hoping mm-hmm. that he comes back. What do you th- What do you think, Danny? You're never going to see him again. Just face it. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, um, I'm sure that you've heard about all the Wrexham you know the how they're getting TV time and everybody's really hyped up because Ryan Reynolds has this team, hopefully gonna get promoted to what like the tenth division, whatever the yeah. hell it is. Um, but it, it sparked a lot of conversation about how maybe MLS should look and, and by fans, right? Because I haven't heard anybody outside of Twitter talking about it about how maybe we want to consider promotion relegation. How do you feel about promotion relegation here in the MLS? Because I have my thoughts about it, but I'm kind of curious to hear yours first. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. Um, honestly, I think it'll be really cool to see. Um, but I, I just think the way MLS is set up, I don't think it's really feasible at this moment. Unless, like, there are a couple of options. I think if MLS continues to expand and they get to 40 teams, I can see them doing like an MLS one, MLS two, and then that's that's one way because you know they're not partnering with the USL or anything. But another option is maybe the USL and MLS. Um, they they fix their relationship issues and they partner to provide that, you know, first division, second division, uh, pro rel, uh, you know, uh, pyramid uh, that they're going on. But in order to do that, um, a lot of USL teams need to uh, fix up their stadiums. Like, um, for example, yeah. Miami FC, who play at FIU, they're, FIU. they're playing at a, they're playing at a, a football at a stadium, college football at a stadium. college football. Like, that's not appropriate for, you know, like, like for example, you know, look at some English championship championship teams or La Liga 2 teams. They have better stadiums than that. So, yes. you know, like, you imagine, like, um, LAFC playing at um, FIU's, 
football team's turf and like <laughs> it, it's not feasible like the, the right. infrastructure has to be there for usl and and even some of the lower leagues of the nisa and some of these pro amateur things like it just needs an, a whole like it, it like it needs an overhaul i'm not against pro rel but um I, i'm also not like you know like oh mls needs pro rel in order to be good you know no like the, it's fine like uh, eventually they'll put it in one day but you know that day is not today <laughs> so um, well you know yeah the one thing that Americans love is an underdog. Mm -hmm. They love underdogs. So, like, I think that something like that would actually catch the eye of regular fans or, you know, I guess what people consider normal fans. You don't think so, Danny? You disagree? I think that those things are cute when it comes to the NCAA tournament that goes, like, for two, three weeks for just playoffs in general because it's only a month when you're an owner and you're like hey by the way this is a cinderella story come watch us for 34 games i'm sorry you're not gonna fill up the stadium 17 times for a cinderella story in hopes yeah. that you get promoted to the big leagues like it, this all comes down to money and the owners are not going to be okay with having to play in the second division hoping to get into the first division now in other countries that works because i mean it's been around for over a century so you're kind of accustomed to this but trying to start that brand new when you're tr just trying to grow the sport right now, like I honestly don't even think it's an option. You're trying to get fans interested. You're not going to go and start a team in, I don't know, Las Vegas? They don't have a team yet. You don't, you don't start a team in Las Vegas and be like, hey, but by the way, you're not going to start in the MLS. You're going to start in the MLS too, but maybe one day you'll be in the big <laughs> leagues. Like That's not how it works. In the United States, you, you, you're either in the NBA because you're not watching the G League. And I understand that some people think that that's, that that's stupid because that's the way it works around the world. But in this yeah. country, I don't think it's going to work, especially if you're trying to grow the sport. Like maybe after the, the, the sport grows in popularity and you have consistent sellouts throughout the country, then maybe you can play with that idea. I like the idea that she had, that the Alex had where 40 teams and then you split it up into two. I think that's a good idea. But yeah. until you grow that popularity and that loyal fan base, I don't think it's a good idea. I think you might alienate some people that – aren't accustomed to watching the second division in just hopes of making it to the first division. That's why we, we have a, a playoff system and a champion at the end after the tournament because we don't do that. Hey, you end up with the most points in the league and then you're the champion. Like we're not accustomed to that over here and that's why we do that differently. So I, I think in that aspect, I just can't see it happening here in the United States. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, yeah, plus uh, um, I think – yeah, it's just not feasible. Like, there's no infrastructure at USL teams. I know Louis, uh, Louisville, uh, Louisville um, City. I believe they have a really good stadium. So if any, if every a USL team can look like Louisville City's, um, I think their stadium's like ten thousand seats. It looks super nice. If That's USL nice. teams can, you know, implement that and you know continue to grow, maybe. But like you said, I think it's more gonna most more so gonna be like an MLS one, MLS two, forty teams, and then you know see how that goes. Um, to the Rexham point, um. I don't know. I think it's like, I don't know. I think it's just people wanting a, a story to, to hook on to. Like, I remember when Venezia was, you know, the big uh, hipster soccer team that everyone wanted to follow because they had an American owner and a bunch of Americans were playing there. But now they're relegated to Serie B and now no one wants to, to hear their story anymore because, you know, they're not relevant. So I think Wrexham is the same thing. I think it's just people looking for authenticity, uh, which is fine. But, you know, the one thing that bothers me is people saying, you know, oh, I won't watch MLS because the quality is bad, but they'll watch Wrexham, a fifth division team, 
because of the story. So, you know, you don't have to lie and say it's because of the quality. Just say that you don't particularly like MLS and you want something more. Or maybe more. you enjoy the history, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can say you enjoy the history. That's that's something that's yeah. acceptable. Yeah, but yeah, MLS has history too, so I don't know why they're... they're and I know Newcastle has new owners and stuff, but if you would have mm. told me like a year ago, oh, yeah, but I'd rather watch Newcastle versus, I don't know, Southampton over LAFC and Galaxy. I'm like, you're full of crap. Because if you were to take the names and the, and the logos off of those teams, I promise you wouldn't be able to tell which team is which. And I know some people are going to be – because look, let me tell you something. Some of the most sno snobby people are soccer fans because if they're yeah, into sure. European soccer, they're like, oh, MLS? Ugh, that's beneath me. I promise you. A lot of the times you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two if you're talking about the lower teams in those leagues. I understand when we're talking about the big teams, completely different game. But if you're talking about the 19th and 20th team in the EPL against the top teams in the MLS, yes, I understand that there's like, a difference. I like, get it. But Philadelphia Union can be Everton, I feel, honestly, genuinely. Like that's how poor Everton are at the moment. So yeah, that's a <laughs> That's a, a valid statement that you made right but, there. It's true. It's but, true. They're they're bad right now. So. But 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 that's what I mean. So I think some people are so snobby about it. So I, I I get it. I understand that the that that's different classes, and I can't argue that. I understand the MLS is in the top five in the world. I get it. Maybe not even top seven or eight. Whatever. I understand all of that. What I'm saying is that when you say you don't give it a chance, but you're gonna tell me that you can watch the 19th and 20th best teams in EPL play each other, I think you're full of crap. That, that's all I'm saying. Uh, here we have uh, this is football podcast is joining us, and they said there will never be pro rel in the states primarily because owners won't pay 500 million for a franchise just to be relegated to a 40k team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, yes, <laughs> I agree. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Also, I, I think that it comes down to the bottom line, and the bottom line is always the dollar. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, well, now talking about dollars mm -hmm. today, Apple TV has finally dropped. And for, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. I was at work all day, came home, picked up the kids. So I haven't had a chance to play with it. But everything I've heard is that it's user-friendly and it has a whole lot of content already. Have you had a chance to, to dive into Apple TV MLS season pass already, Alex? Yeah, and it looks great. Honestly, I, was, uh, I wasn't a big proponent of, like, uh, of this deal because I think it's going to alienate a lot of casuals. They're probably not going to yes. pay... Fourteen ninety nine for MLS or a hundred dollars for a, an annual subscription, but for the hardcore MLS fan or, or people who, who cover the league like I do, um, yeah, it looks great. It's it's easy to use, and I, I love some of the, the the stories that they're doing here. You know, I'm looking at Inter Miami's page right now, and they have a bunch of player profiles up on uh, Joseph Martinez, uh, Yedlin, uh, uh, Campana, uh, John Mata, and it was I, I watched a couple of them last night. And, they're really well done and I enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, like all the highlights are here, you know, uh, you can watch full post game, um, past, you know, previous matches that Inter Miami played. You can watch the full 90 of them. There's oh, a nice. like, yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff on here. Like um, they have something called the ritual, which they go around the league and sh uh, showcase traditions and cultures. They be on the pitch, you know, iconic players, you know, David Beckham's on there, player profiles. It's just really cool. And, yeah, like I said, the casual probably won't ship, you know, drop uh, fourteen ninety nine on it. But like, if you're a hardcore MLS fan or a journalist, like it's it's fun and uh, you know the user experience is great. And I already downloaded the app on my smart TV. All I need is to log in and subscribe. So, and no well, blackout. So, and and the one thing that I that I I remembered that was mentioned when this Apple TV thing was getting started was that the teams had to be held responsible for their for their content. 
right? So, like, I mean, we're just looking at Inter Miami, but I actually wonder if if anybody has taken a look at other teams and seen, wow, there's a little bit of a lack of content here. Yeah, and that's you know that's a big you know they're yeah those teams are being exposed, man. Like you know it shows that they're yeah no it shows that their 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 media sec like section of the club isn't as full fleshed. Like is lacking at the moment. Like, like I'm looking at NYCFC and they're like former MLS Cup champions and and they really only have like like highlights up here. There's no player profiles or or anything, and it, it's it's a shame because. I know that reading about this deal, a lot of the teams will will, will have to be responsible for a lot of this content. And Inter Miami already did it somewhat already, so you know they had these things ready to go. But yeah, there are some bare bones teams. Like for example, RSL, uh, Real Salt Lake, they dropped a, a club profile and it's like a minute long and it doesn't nearly dive in into their history as much as it, it should have. Like these are like these are it's like RSL, the team that won the most cup and you know and they have a know, history. They, they have, have a, history a deep sure. history, but like yeah. Their club profile's a minute long. Like, that's crazy. So, so yeah. NYCFC, I understand, because they basically just lost their whole team this offseason. So they have no player profiles to go over. True, true. Well, I mean, at this point, at least we know that if anybody's looking for, like, a digital position in this industry, RSL is probably going to hire you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you want to live in Utah though? Like, no shade, but like, I'm sure it's pretty, but like, I don't know. Hey, Carl Malone did it for a while, and so did John Stockton. True. Right. Now, I have a question about this Apple TV deal, and this and and uh, and this question might be a little bit different than than you've seen, but it's it's an interesting question, right? Danny and I we went to a restaurant a couple months back to go, you know, eat. We wanted to watch the game. The game was on, right? But now, what you know? What are bars going to do about this, right? Because bars aren't plugging into their local feed; they're not looking at Apple Whammy. TV. You know, are they going to be hooking up their Apple TV to watch uh, Inter Miami play? Like, I imagine that there's bars where a lot of the supporter groups go to; they'll probably have it. But I mean, there was a lot of other bars that were playing the games. I mean, what are bars going to do at this point? Yeah, and that's a big question. I, I, I was speaking with uh, you know Ian Hest and and. You know, some other colleagues about that. You know, what are bars going to do? You know, are they going to shell out the fourteen ninety nine a month, or are they going to drop a hundred dollars on you know the off chance that Inter Miami fans watch the game? Like that's a big yeah. question, and that was one of my worries about this deal: the casuals and you know the bar culture and the away games. How are they going to, you know, how are they going to galvanize that? So I think, yeah, I, th- I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It, it you know, let's see how it, how it goes, but. It, it's it's a concerning thing, but I think if yes. um if there's one set like for example if there's a bar that really wants or has a reoccurring uh, customer base where I don't know like Vice City or Southern Legion uh, they want to yes. go and watch a game I think they'll they'll turn it on or, or someone will use their account to turn it on but like for these yes. little like sports grow bars like I don't know I I don't really don't know if they'll they'll turn it on or, or spend That's that money. Well, like you said, the casuals might be getting uh it's gonna be a lot harder to get the casuals now with this even though. They said I think it was like forty percent of the games are going to be streamed free. Mm. And, Which, uh, yeah, I, I'll, you still got to you still got to you still got to want to get on there and stream it though. <laughs> yeah, I think though, and I hate how people keep saying that because for casuals, like for casual Inter Miami fans, Inter Miami only has one game that's going to be free. Like they're playing one game that's <laughs> free. Like the forty percent thing is like if you're an LAFC fan, that forty percent thing is great. But if you're an Inter Miami a fan and casual you like you're only getting one game, game. You, you might as well subscribe <laughs> to the thing so like yeah like if you 
want to watch MLS as a casual, 40% of the game's free. But if you're an Inter-Miami fan that just wants Inter-Miami, like casual, like viewing, like you only get one game. So you might as well subscribe to the, to the, to service, the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Do you know by chance what game that was? I, I have to recheck, but I think it's like against Nashville or, or like Atlanta. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nashville. Yeah, yeah. You should have given us the rivalry game. See, at least get some juices going. Orlando, yeah. Yeah. Orlando. Yeah. They're fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we know some, some fun fans online. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, a little too much. <laughs> look, Ompe is awesome skiing in Utah during the MLF off, MLS offseason. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, look at that. You can go be their their uh, video guy, and you can go skiing in the off season. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to sure. just uh, real quick. Uh, there was a what comment here about what we. There are millions of football fans in the U.S. It just happens to be, it is a fragmented football following in which MLS tries to get their attention. Besides getting casual fans from other sports. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Premier League is huge, and most people are you know they're not going to divest and. Yeah, it's like let's say you live in Phoenix. There's no MLS team there, so you might as well follow Liverpool or or, or Arsenal or whatever team you support. But yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, so covered basically just about every topic that we had to cover, and I wanted to just jump right back into uh, into Miami just right before we let you go. The way the team has looked now, the roster built as it is, right? Without that that go to ten because we don't know yet if we're gonna get Pozuelo back or not. What are your expectations for this season? I think that you know, looking at the roster from last season, there are periods of time where Gonzalo Higuain didn't play because you know, rightfully so, he was out of form and sulking, and you know, Neville was right to bench him. So during mm-hmm. that time, Miami was able to play super well with essentially zero DPS. Right? You know, the only deep DP was you know like Campana and the money that he was making, but he wasn't a DP, but he was playing like one. But they right. essentially played with zero DPs for most of the season because Egoine was benched or injured or whatever. They was taking well- pictures at Brightline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. They okay. So they played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, like, they played well without the DPs. So with this season, you know, Pizarro's back and he's DP, and maybe they bring back Pasuelo and and Campana resigned with a full season of like a, a full strength Campana, and maybe Pozuelo comes back, and then you have other guys like Negri and. Stefanelli and and um, um, I'm blanking right now, but like they brought in a, a couple of players that will just solidify the squad. My expectation, I think they're going to start off slow, but better than last season. So I don't think they'll go like on a losing streak. I think they'll probably win one game against. Uh, I don't say Montreal because Montreal did lose a couple of their really good players, so they may be stumbling a bit, and they they have a new coach, so maybe they'll win against Montreal. Maybe they'll draw or lose against Philly, but. I think they'll they'll be more consistent than last season. I think they'll do better than what they did. I think they'll play more consistent soccer. They'll, they'll have more consistent uh, uh, winning streaks, and and they won't like win five straight and then lose five straight. I think they'll be consistent. Um, they want to finish top four, and the fact that um, they were able to finish you know uh, sixth place last season despite you know that losing streak and going getting benched, you know they can only improve. So I'd say I'd, I'd have them at. Um, sixth, fifth, or fourth place in the East if they can really do it, if they bring back Pozuelo, but, you know, Stefanelli's playing has that 10, I think sixth, fifth place is, is reasonable. Is, yeah, it's reasonable. And and it's funny because we were just talking about Matuidi. I can imagine, like, oh. Alex going up to the media guy at Enter Miami be like, hey, I want to <laughs> interview Matuidi. And Wait. the guy goes up to Alex like, 
Go ahead and meet him over at the Bright Lights. <laughs> yeah. Matuidi <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. was, I don't know. That was all that, comic. You know. I don't know why they, they signed him. It was a wrong fit uh, for everyone. That, that was a horrible fit. Um, Alex, goal prediction between Campan, oh, Campapi, I'm sorry, Campapi oh, well. and Joseph. Oh, wow. Mm, I, I think it'll be similar to Iguain and Campana last season. I think they'll each score over 10 goals each. I think maybe Campana will get a little bit more because he'll, you know, he's younger and probably a little bit more fitter than Joseph at the moment. But I think with Joseph, uh, uh, you know, I met him the other day. We, were, we spoke to him the other day. You know, he's hungry. He wants to, 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 to show Atlanta, you know, He's upset. <laughs> like he wants that to. He's not him. washed. Yeah, that he's not washed. Yeah. You know, he just had a son recently, so he's super calm and. But he's still super laser focused, and he looks fit, and he's ready to go. Like he he, he wants does. to score. So, ten goals for for each of them with Campana maybe scoring a little bit more, but I'll say they'll score. You know, Joseph will score around thirteen, and Campana will get like fifteen or sixteen, with like okay. like Lasseter and Robinson and Lacava getting like two or three each. So just under thirty, because I feel like yeah. Joseph. For me, that line is at 15, and I really feel like he, yes. he should get it to 15. And if he gets under 15, I don't want to say it's a disappointment, but I feel like if he's back to being healthy, he should be at around 15. And Campana also, I think that combined, they should be able to, to total 30 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree I with that will. too. So, yeah, it's so just like what uh, Esteban just, just mentioned it, 30 combined goal total. And I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm hoping for. I feel like if th- we can get that together, I definitely think we get to finish top four. Uh, and I think our, our back line is, is more solidified. Mm-hmm. I hear uh, a collective round of applause from all of us to Alex Winley for her time and enlighten us with her foot charm and football knowledge. Esteban Dito is speaking nothing but facts. I had planned to put a tie on because a tie? you are... <laughs> You are top knowledge when it comes to this, when I get my information from Twitter. So your work is amazing, and, and I join in that round of applause. You, you are amazing at what you do, and you know I know you're very humble, but you, you are good at what you do. So much respect. Much respect. Thank you. Thank you. I'm all right. Well, yes, thank you for the kind words, you guys. No, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, sure. Chris, do you have anything else or anybody in the in the chat? Anything else before we head out? Chris? Well, hopefully somebody in the chat, if you do have anything else, you know, it was a pleasure having you guys in the chat on. I know it was a pleasure to have Alex on. I know I could say that for Danny as well. Uh, Chris, you're not going to bring up the toast? I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little shocked. Am I? Am I? Am I? Okay. I, you know I, what? Let's just, is, I mean, we're just going to do he it. he respects you so much that he just wanted to have serious soccer talk. I wanted to have <laughs> serious <laughs> talk. No clownery. everybody else, he brings up the toast. And with you, he said, I'm not even going to bother Alex with the toast. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I felt like I had to be super professional. I'm telling you, I forgot my tie and I was already crushed. So the last couple, so the last couple guests that we had on our podcast, we we had a picture that was given to us by by Callie, and he uh, he sent over a picture, and it shows three items. So here we're looking at it for the people that are listening on on Apple, iTunes, or whatever. Uh, the first row is five pieces of steak. The second row is six pieces of bread, and then on the last row we have six cups of coffee. So if you could just take a pick on one of each and go right ahead all right so i've seen this on twitter before so i already know my answers <laughs> so uh three for the steak um the toast just go. understand if you just understand before you answer the toast i am gonna judge you extremely <laughs> oh, on wow. what you pick depending on what it is oh <laughs> well, the pressure is mounting now all right so um 
Uh, for the toast, it really depends. If I'm eating like a like a an uh, like a vegetable spread or like an egg spread where I put bacon on top, I'll, I'll toast it a little darker, like at three or four. But if I'm eating a sandwich and I want it just slightly toasted, I'll, I'll do two. So I'll no. stick with two, three. You don't you want it a little? I don't, I don't like. I'm with you. Like I'm that. with you, Alex. Three is the right answer. Yeah, three, three. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Alex. You, you got a friend in me. That's good. I, you're Chris. You're a little disappointed, but like that's how I like my toast. He how likes, about he the likes six. Uh, no. oh, oh, oh. oh wow, that's yeah, that's a little. That's I a little too much. I said I'll take five. Mm, that's rough. I'll scrape off that. The, <laughs> how about oh, your coffee? All right, so coffee. It's uh, honestly it really um, any of them, not anything, but. A really, but um, normally I'll drink it like D or E. I like nice. my milk and my coffee, so that's nice. Uh, I, I actually one more thing before we let you go. Steve Munoz just put shout out to Black Herons United. The club finally acknowledged with a Black History yes, Month post. Time. We saw that well, like I want to say like half an hour before we came on. I know we were talking about it after Martin Luther King Day. Uh, it was brought to everybody's attention on Twitter that they didn't have a post last uh, this year. I went back and looked. They didn't have one last year or the year before. Um, so I, I think it's great that they finally acknowledged that. I saw Yedlin immediately reposted it. So it's obviously yes. something that, that got traction. I don't know if it was what the Black uh, Herons United started th- uh, a couple weeks ago or what it was. But whatever it was, I'm glad that it got out there and uh, and finally got them to acknowledge some of that. Because that, it, it, it's, it's the smallest and simplest of yeah. efforts to do that. And, you know, it's... it's 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 it, it's important also to, to 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 feel to have everybody feel included. Yeah, and sure. they've been working. Uh, Black parents, they've been working behind the scenes a lot. You know, today's their one year anniversary, and yes, I am in the group chats because you know, obviously, being you know African American, Caribbean American, uh, it's important. And um, yeah, you know, I love Inter Miami and their Latin flair and every other, and everything. But you know, there was also you know um, non Latin uh, folks and uh, non Spanish speaking people who do follow Miami and want you know, to feel included as well. So it's not so much of like, you know, oh, they hate the, you know, the all the, the good stuff that Inter-Miami does with the Latin fans and whatnot. They just want to be included, essentially. There, <laughs> so there was, it's, it's just like a whole South Florida thing that they want to, you know, all different cultures and whatnot. There was definitely a lack of recognition, for sure. Mm. And I saw the letter that was written also online, and that was a beautiful letter. Well written. I felt yeah. like it was well-written, it was very passionate. You could tell that it's from uh, from the heart, from the right place, you know, for the right for the right ideals, you know. So I, I, I could for sure this was a big, big, finally a big move by the organization to make. Such an easy move to make, but it was a big move nonetheless. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's I a step in the right that, direction, for sure. All right. Well, you got anything else for the people, Chris? Nope, that's it until next Woo Wednesday, I think. If yeah, not, I mean, we're trying to do this every Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alex, look, well, it was a pleasure to have you on. We're super happy to have you on. I'm pretty, and, and as you can see, everybody that's on the chat was super happy to have you on. So thank you so much for your time. And and I know Danny was definitely happy to have you on as well. For sure. Yeah, I'm thanks, your biggest thanks. fan, Alex. Yeah, honestly, God, thank you for the words, but I'm I'm all right. I'm just trying to give people the most accurate and you know comprehensive info on Inter Miami because you know the fans deserve it. You know they've been waiting for this team for such a long time, and you know they need they need that info. So I'm I'm just here bringing it to the 
to the masses, I guess. <laughs> well, we appreciate everything you do for the fan base that follows into Miami and everything that you do just in general. And uh, hopefully we get to talk again. Yes, yes. Thank you guys for having me. All right, me well, and thank everybody in the chat, everybody that was watching live, everybody that's listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or if you're watching this on YouTube later on, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys next week for episode 32 of the Battered Herons Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Later.